You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. We are still talking about judging the right way. And we are on part five. Judging the right way, part five. Can I pray? Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to share fellowship. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for light and illumination that is in your word. The potency of your word gives us clarity of thought, of mind, of understanding, and of purpose. Thank you for the precision and accuracy in your word this morning. Your word, oh God, is above everything that is imposing itself on us. Therefore, it comes down now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the power of expression, the power of utterance. They speak boldly with insight. We submit to this word, and Jesus exalted, and we are edified in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, judging the right way, five. Judging the right way, five. Matthew 28, 18 to 19. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority, <clears throat> Exusia, has been giving me. In heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Matter to you. Apprentice, trainees. uh, Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. So disciples are made. They are not chosen. They are made. Disciples are what? They are not chosen. They are what? They are made. They are made. They are made. They are made. Jesus made disciples. And then he chose them. He, he makes disciples. We make disciples. We are to make them. An apprentice is made. Trainees are made. And then they are graduated. Is that not it? Yes. And they are chosen. So we make disciples. Okay. They go through training. They are taught. And they are trained. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. The Son of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them. Didache, teaching them, trainees, apprentices, disciples are taught in the discipline for which they are being made. They are taught. So if you're a disciple and you are not taught, you cannot be made. You must allow yourself to be taught. The reason why we have the kind of church we have in the world is because most don't allow themselves to be taught. If you see a good apprentice, it is because they submit to the teaching of their master. So Jesus who is our master tells us to go make disciples after his kind. So we teach Christ. We do what Christ will do. We teach them to know Christ and we train them after Christ. And Jesus did the same thing. He taught his disciples And he also trained them. When he gives them the information, 
He will now take them on the job to do with them what he has told them and see them do it. Yeah. And see them do it. It's called training. That's why we have the local church. In the local church, you are taught. We make disciples in the local church. So you are taught and you are trained. Say, I am taught. And I am trained. All right? That's why we have the local church. Say, that's why we have the local church. In the local church, God gives you the opportunity to be taught and trained. So you see, that's where you get to do something. And as you do and function in it, you are being trained. You are being trained after Christ. So you can't say, I'm a Christian, I don't go to church. No, no. Yes, you are a Christian. Yes, you go to heaven. But you are living a very pitiful life because you are not being trained. Your relevance in the kingdom cannot show because nobody is teaching you, nobody is training you. Is that very clear? Nobody was just born into the world. That's why everybody was born into a family. So they would have the opportunity to be taught and trained in the family. Is that not it? So in spiritual, we have local churches. So that in the local church, is like the family. So you have the opportunity to be taught and also be what? Trained. Is that very clear? Okay, good. Now, so we, we are trained after Christ. And therefore, we look at him and what he did. So you can see that the whole scriptures speaks to what Christ will come and do, what Christ did, and what Christ has made us after his death, burial, resurrection. So there is nothing in scripture that does not authenticate who Christ is and what he came to do and what he has made us. Everything his disciples said and acted is what Christ is, does, and has made us. So we also say and do. Get this very clear. So we take after him. Say we take after Christ. He is our model. Say he is our model. Don't have any other model if it is not a model after Christ. Alright. So we looked at how, we're looking at how Christ would judge a matter. And so we are not, when we say judging wisely, on what premise? On the premise of how Christ would want us to do it. Is that very clear? Yes. Because the world has a way of judging their own matters. But Christians judge their matters by the way or the wisdom of Christ. Is that very clear? So, look at... <laughs> Matt, uh, John 8, 3 to 11. John 8, 3 to 11. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. They called him who? What did they call him? They called him what? Master. Okay. This woman was taken in adultery. Watch this. In the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said. Tempting him. 
that they might have to accuse him. So they want Jesus to judge the matter. Is that not it? Okay. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. After saying that, it means he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which had it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Hello. This is love on its two feet. He cut both sides and still cut with love. He did not condemn them. Neither did he condemn the woman. You see how Jesus judges? Because condemnation is not in him. He could have told them, you, you did this. You, you did that. You, you did that. Now, even if Jesus freed the woman, Jesus would have been wrong because he condemned them. So he wouldn't condemn others to free others. <laughs> so the question is, why would they want to stone her? To save her? To stop the sin? To prove that they are better and they hate sin? Let's ask ourselves. In the same way, Jesus didn't hug the woman and say, oh, you have done well. Oh, this is not sin, oh. Oh, this is not sin. This is not sin. Jesus didn't do that. He called sin, sin, but he didn't condemn the person. He was seeking for the person to find correction. For the person to be restored. For the person to come back to the life that he, Jesus, knows God created them to live. He does not desire that the person will perish because of their sin. That is not God. Did you hear that? Jesus called a sin. He let her know it is sin. The difference was he didn't convict her and pronounce her guilty and sentence for destruction. He rather asks that she changes her mind. She repents. Go and sin no more. Now, did you just realize that condemnation of people doesn't glorify God? That's what you thought. Most of us think that when we condemn people, then God is happy. Yes. And then Jesus would have congratulated them for a good work done. That's why they said, in the very act. Now, this one, there's no ambiguity about the case. In the very act. So we always want to catch people in the very act. We always want to make people feel terrible. We always want to pe people to owe us their dignity. And integrity. Love seeks to help the sinner. The accusers had stones. When Jesus, the judge of all, came in, they found out that the stones were rather meant for themselves. Yeah. Our words 
and the actions can be stones. We say and do hateful things. We break people down. We destroy their self-worth. Rather than sin no more, go. Sin no more. To help them out of the situation, we stone people. Go and live no more. By the time we are done with our judgment, they can't lift up their faces. They feel they are rather dead than live. It's not Christian. It's not of God. Our words and actions should be raw materials to help build men who have fallen into sin or errors. Say my words. Say my words. And the actions are of correction in love. One of the very, very sore points is how I have seen many denominations handle moral failings of believers and even ministers. How they judge the matter. And it has always been the wrong judgment call. We make the body weak and yet we want the body to be strong. We make the world laugh at us. And mock at us. Yet we want the world to join our faith. <laughs> what a people. What a people. Most of us look at the Corinthian issue. In the first Corinthians chapter 5. And we use that issue in most churches. To judge people who have moral failures. And, and so in most churches. That's the, expect the expectation. You know. Tree sign. Tree sign. You know. They bring you before the church. Yes. Tree sign. So now from today you are sitting somewhere. And then you can't do anything. And then they disgrace you. You can't lift. And then they expect you to still, you know. You see, we're going to look at it. Let's, we're going to investigate the case and see how judgment is truly made. Is that very clear? Is that very clear? Okay, good. Now, if it was moral failure in that sense, and the reason for Apostle Paul to call for the guy to be excommunicated, then 1 Corinthians 3.3 would have given us a very good introduction for the whole church to be excommunicated. If it was the sin <laughs> that the person did, that is why Apostle Paul said he should be excommunicated, then 1 Corinthians 3.3 tells us that the whole church should be excommunicated. For ye are yet canal. For whereas there is among you what? Envy and strife and divisions. Are ye not what? Canal. And walk as what? Men. The word is mere men. So the whole church was in carnality. Ah, are you here with me? <laughs> and if you want to read sins, don't worry. Go to James 3, 14 and 16 and look at what Apostle James will talk about envy and strife. Do you know that the first sin, the first fruit of sin was envy? Cain envied who? Abel. And in the end, killed Abel. James will speak to that here. James says, but if ye have what? Bitter envying and strife. In your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, 
there is confusion in every evil work. He was referencing Genesis. Every evil work. Do you know why the woman was brought to Jesus? Why? Envy, strife. If they were one, they would not have done that. Hey, are you here with me? If you are one with somebody, would you want to show their nakedness? <laughs> so James says, where there is envy and strife, Satan has a free range. Free range. Satan can do anything he wants to do. And the whole church was in division. It, listen, the Corinthian church had more contending matters. So look at 1 Corinthians 8.12. Look at what Paul was telling them. Everybody go. But when ye sin, so against what? The brethren. Mm-hmm. And wound their what? Weak conscience. Ye sin against who? Christ. They had more contending matters. They were not walking in love. And Paul says it is a sin against who? As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 11, the, the division and the strife was so terrible. In 1 Corinthians 11:30, where you use it for communion, look at what he tells them. Look, he says, because of your division and your strife, go. For this cause, mm-hmm, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, many die. Nobody cares about anybody. They can do them stuff. If, if, if they had to take something from them for them to die, they would do it. They don't care. We're in the same church, so what? They were taking one another to court. Yes. They don't care. Even at this point, some had not eaten. Some have so much. Yet when they come, they are with their cliques. Love feast. They don't care about the poor. They don't care about the needy. They don't care about anybody. So if it was really that issue... Paul would never have asked that he will be excommunicated. Is that very clear? Look at 1 Corinthians 5.2. Now, look at the reason. Look at the reason. Look at the reason. The reason why the young man was asked to be excommunicated. Look at the reason. Go. And ye are what? You are doing what? Puffed up. Uh huh. And have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. So the problem is what? Pride. Rebellion. The guy was doing wrong and because that is the atmosphere they had created in the church, they were rather praising him. Hey, are you here with me? His clique. Charlie, you there for? Charlie, what you do, Napoleon Ogofi do? You are the champ. Are you getting the scenario? So that was the problem. It's the problem of a rebellious child. And I've thought on this before. Now, let me give you an example. When your finger suffers a sore, the whole body would actually concentrate on that finger, true or false, and make sure that that finger is healed and the whole body is good. Is that very clear? Oh, is that true? Yes. Okay, all right. But the moment the finger becomes cancerous, what happens? It has to be cut off. Because it will affect the whole body. That's what Paul is referring to. Is it very clear? Do you get the analogy? Now, like we said, Jesus never said to the woman, oh, you have done well. No. Jesus called a sin. Jesus didn't condemn her. Jesus sought to help her to get out of it. Is that very clear? In this case, they were doing the opposite. Do you understand it? 
So Paul says, you have to cut it out so that the body can be safe, clear. So, did this case end there? In Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church, he came back to it. Look at it. 2 Corinthians 12, 20 to 21. Let's all read. Go. For I am fearful that somehow or other, if I may come and find you, not as I desire to find you, that you may find me too, not as you want to find me, that perhaps there may be factions, quarreling, jealousy, temper, wrath, intrigues, rivalry, divided loyalty, selfishness, whispering, gossip, arrogance, self-assertion, and disorder among you. I am fearful that when I come again, my God may humiliate, humiliate and humble me in your regard, that I may have sorrow over many of those who sinned before and have not repented in their impurity, sexual vice, and sensuality, which they formerly practiced. Did he ask that they are excommunicated? Oh, did he? He said he will sorrow what? Over them. As a matter of fact, he went on down to say that the brother should be forgiving. They should let go of him. Is that very clear? And they should make sure that Satan doesn't have his way. I'll come to that. Don't worry. But did you see that clearly there? He said, I will sorrow over you. In other words, I would have to find a way so you come back to repentance. Is that very clear? So the problem was with the attitude. Say with attitude. <clears throat> So forgiveness of sins belongs to every erring brother. Write it down. What we must do is we judge ourselves first. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. 31. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. We judge ourselves by being remorseful and repent. Ephesians 4, 32. What does it say? And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Hello? What are we to do? What are we to do? We should be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as what? Christ forgave us. Don't cry more than they bereaved. For most of us, in our judgment, we think we are defending God. He is asking you to forgive. You are also saying you have to condemn because you are feeling it better than God. Hey, are you here with me? When God has forgiven, who are you? Ask the next person, who am I? Please say it like you mean it. Has God offended any human being? Have you offended somebody before? Have you done things that you don't want anybody to know? So why are you praying that somebody should be exposed? Why are you praying? Why are you praying that prayer? Don't you know you are praying against yourself? It's a dangerous prayer. True. It's a dangerous prayer. The prayer you are praying is a dangerous prayer. You call it dangerous prayers. I'll pray some dangerous prayers. It's a very dangerous prayer. True. You are praying against your own self. Because you are the one who will be exposed. Yours will show first. I've seen it happen several times. Yeah. Say it's not of God. 
<clears throat> say it is not of God. Look at Hebrews 8.12. What does he say? Go. For I will be what? Merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I what? So Paul dealt with the attitude. Is that very clear? A believer must never gloat over sin. Don't get to a place where you are comfortable with sin. No. Yeah. Don't get to that point. It's not your nature. Galatians 5.13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love serve one another. Oh, hello. So our liberty is not to show occasion to who? To what? To the flesh. I am free. I can do what I like. No, you can do what you like. No, you can do what you like. We all can do what we like. If we all decide in this world to do what we like, tell me what's going to happen in this world. The kinds of things you like that are in your head that you want to do. If you yourself write them down, you'll be scared. You'll be scared. But you have the spirit in you that restrains you. Oh, praise God. You have the spirit in you that restrains you. Restrains you. Allow and yield to him. Praise God. Say by love. We serve one another. All right. So though we are forgiving and we shall always be forgiving because of the sacrifice of Christ... We are to live lives worthy of his name. We don't serve the flesh. See, I don't serve the flesh. I'm not a servant to my flesh. Praise God. Look at 1 Peter 2, 16. As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Praise God. Is that very clear? But the fact still remains that we still fall short. And that's why we must have the intention very clear to judge wisely. Otherwise, we would destroy each other. So you see, the gauge is the love gauge. How we respond to one another in failures. That will tell how much of the love is in us. You, do you sing? Ah, do you sing the song for his mercies? And then you start crying. Yeah, you start crying. How God endures. When you say mercy, his mercy endures your foolishness. So the moment you see mercy, put all the things there that he shows mercy and he endures it. So love endures. Hey, are you here with me? Love what? Endures. Yeah. First, did he understand? He said, love. I love you. I love you. You enjoy your marriage. It's not true. You enjoy, you endure. Because love endures. Who lied to you? So you think you're going to see soap opera. They wake up with makeup on their face. Nice. Yes. When they wake up, their face is nice. They'll wake up and you see. <laughs> or they'll sleep and you see. A person is snoring and then it's like a machine. A machine gun. 
you endure. You, you endure. <laughs> you endure. We went for, we went for some, some trip. And when we came back, those who were in the same room were telling their story. I said, hey, Charlie, this man, the wife in the trial. <laughs> I said, I can't cry. I said, hey, my brother, I know the joke. When the guy starts snoring, I feel earthquake in the room. The way we laughed at him. Hey! Love endures. Love endures. I'm telling you. <laughs> you have to endure. Yes. Yes. He said you love. Then endure. Yes. Love endures. Mm. Hmm. Love endures. Yeah. All right. So when we fall short, we are expected to act concerned, but not guilty. Write it down. Draw the lines. The fine lines are important. I should have added this to the notes. When, listen to me. When we do <clears throat> what is wrong, we are expected to act concerned, but not guilty. Draw the line. Act remorseful, but not as unworthy. Act remorseful. But not as unworthy. Yes, you did the wrong thing. It does not make you unworthy. Be remorseful and repent about it. Is that very clear? But don't condemn yourself. And don't allow anybody to condemn you. It's the same way the church responds. It's the same way. We should not be hypocritical about it. Look at 2 Thessalonians. 3, 14 to 15. Apostle Paul gives us the fine lines. I want you to watch it clearly. Everybody, lift up your head. Look at it. Go. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, mm -hmm, not that man, mm -hmm, and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Next, 15. Yet, count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Is it clear? Have no company with him means don't partake in what they are doing. It's not to avoid him and when you see him coming, you pass the other side. That's not what he means. Is that very clear? So we must not treat anybody less than God has and God does. God treats that erring brother well. And still sees him in the God class. Did you hear what I just said? So see them as God sees them. And treat them as God would treat them. And we saw how God treated the woman. Is that clear? In adultery. Is that very clear? We are brothers. We are all God's children yet. Don't give Satan the occasion to taunt and destroy an erring brother. Don't. Don't. Look at 2 Corinthians 2. 7 to 8 and then... 10 to 11. <clears throat> I told you I'll come back to the erring brother in the Corinthian church. Yeah? Okay. Let's all go. Go. So that contrawise, mm -hmm, you ought rather to what? And do what? Did you see that? 
So that same young man, Apostle Paul is telling them, forgive him. Comfort him. Go. Lest perhaps such a one should be what? Swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. Ten. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive what? I love Paul. He's retreating the family code. Can you get that? We are a We have one mind. We have one heart. Are you getting the point? When you forgive, I also forgive. To whom I forgave it, for your sakes, forgive I it in the passing of Christ. This is what Christ will do. Dividing scripture is sweet. Look at what he says in the 11. Go, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. One person should not be left out. Not one, not one, not one. So he has retracted his earlier command. Is that correct? He says, don't give Satan room. Love him. Show it to the world. Don't refer to it again. Don't ask him to testify. I don't know how hypocritical we can be. They say, brother, come and testify. Don't use him as an illustration to those who rose and fell and are restored again. <laughs> it's lack of knowledge. It's lack of knowledge. Look at Galatians 5.4. Go. Christ is become of what? No effect unto you. Mm-hmm. Whosoever of you are justified by the law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when a brother or a sister does wrong, they have not fallen from grace. This is what makes people fall from grace. When they think they are justified by their own good works, then they are falling from grace. So stop calling erring brothers and erring sister. If you are going to do that, then every day somebody has fallen from grace. Every minute, the moment you lie, sister, if you're falling from grace, oh, the moment you miss church, you are falling from grace. The moment you are not punctual, I said, hey, brother, falling from grace, oh. When you, okay, let me now lay it bare. Can I lay it bare? The reason why you're not judging wisely is this. When you catch one sister or you catch one brother, you only caught one. There are many you have not caught yet. So you are not judging right. So we are not like the world. Where we judge by the one who is caught. That's how the world judges. Until you are caught, you have not sinned. Now the church judges like the world. And we play politics with it in church. To say this one is doing well. This one is not doing well. So when people resort to get acceptance from God by their works, then they are falling from grace. So as a matter of fact, those who normally condemn people, they are the ones who are falling from grace. Because they think that they are kept by their good works. That's what gives them favor before God. Hey, brother, you're not going to get that job. Why? You are not holy. If holiness gives job, the people who are rich in this world, that you know them, they wouldn't have one by now. Myopic understanding. You are talking what you don't know. Go to Galatians 6, 1 to 5. Okay. So everybody go. 
brethren, mm -hmm. if any person is overtaking in a misconduct or sin of, 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 of any sort, Claire, can we go? You who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the spirit, should set him right and restore and reinstate him without any sense of superiority, with all gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted also to bear, endure, carry one another's bedding and a troublesome moral fault. And in this way, fulfill and observe perfectly the law of Christ, the Messiah, and complete what is lacking in your obedience to it. What is the law of Christ? Love your neighbor as yourself. Instead of condemning them, show them the love of Christ. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is called the law of Christ. Go. Three. For if any person thinks himself to be somebody too important to condescend to shoulder another's load when he is nobody of superiority except in his own estimation he deceives and deludes and cheats himself. But let every person carefully scrutinize and examine and test his own conduct and his own work. He can then have the personal satisfaction and joy of doing something commendable in itself alone without resorting to boastful comparison with his neighbor. This is how we do it in church. This is how we do it in the body. As the nephews, are you judging rightly? We have seen little restoration in churches these days because it takes spiritual people to judge and to judge correctly. True or false. So it means that the church has few spiritual men. The church has a lot of religious men. The key word there is spiritual. True or false. Spiritual men are not just men of knowledge. They are men of the spirit. They are men of wisdom. They reveal and demonstrate the fruit of the spirit. They do it with gentleness. Considering themselves. Let me take the last one. 2 Corinthians 13, 10. Let's all go. Therefore, mm -hmm. I write these things being what? Absent. Mm -hmm. Lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord has given me to what? Edification and not to. So the power that the Lord gives us is for what? What is Edification. To build people up, not to destroy them. Still, the Corinthian church is writing to. So, the next time you see a brother's fault, act on the word of God. Don't use your instincts and the world's way. Let's take heed to Peter. What did Peter say in 1 Peter 4 8? 
What did he say? And above everybody, above what? Above what? Above what? All things. In this context, it means all things. Above all things. Uh huh. Have fervent charity amongst yourself. The word is love. Eh? For love or charity mm-hmm, shall cover the multitude of sins. This English is multitude. Sins. Love will cover multitude of sins. The one who is writing has known this love. Praise God. Don't to rise and speak. Grace, glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth.